Sunday's message was different. Uh, dealing with the saints of Jesus. The saints of Jesus. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will take full charge of this meeting. And Lord, that you will teach us things from heaven that will change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The saints of Jesus. If you read in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus started talking about his saying. And uh, he spoke from Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And in conclusion, he says, whoever hears the sayings of mine, he didn't call them his commandments, he called them his sayings. But when you examine what he spoke of, he said things like, you know, you have heard that it was told to people of old, and he'll quote what Moses gave to them, the commandment, but then he'll say, but I say unto you. He didn't call what he was saying to us, his commandments, he called those things his sins. And he has given to us only one commandment. Basically, he gave us his commandment, he called it his new commandment. He said, a new commandment I give to you, and his commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. That was all Jesus' commandment to his people. No other commandment. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. But as believers, when he talked to his disciples before he went to the cross, as believers, he knew they already loved the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their mind. That wasn't the issue. The only commandment for a Christian, for a believer, is to love yourself, love one another, as Jesus has loved us. So that's the only commandment. But how do you live out his commandment? So he gives us his sins in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible tells us what Jesus spoke to us. And he said, if you do my sins as you walk out the love commandment that is already in you. Because you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus' love comes to live inside of you. Whether you know it, believe it or not, when you receive Christ into your life, you receive God into your life, and God is love, so you have love living inside of you, now you have to live that love out in the world, and so he gives us his saints, and his saints are the words of wisdom from God for us to live out the love of God that is already in us. And Jesus said, if you walk, if you live your love life, the, the love life that you have in Christ, if you live your love life doing his saints, it will mean that you have planted your life on the rock. And that rock is Christ, and Christ is the word of God. His saints. So he gave us his saints. And the first one we talked about last time is anger, murder, anger. God equates murder, killing somebody, taking somebody's life with anger. So he told us we should not be angry without a cause. Most times when people are angry, they use their mouth or they use their hand. And he says, if you continue with that, the reason why he's telling you not to do that, if you give yourself to anger, you are not going to be planted on the rock. So anger will really stop you from getting to the place where God wants you to, to get to in life. 
So anger is really a major hindrance. So we must take care of anger. If you don't deal with anger, and you will have plenty of opportunities to be angry. And it's not that you shouldn't be angry at all. There is an anger that is a righteous anger. And the righteous anger directs uh, the energy towards constructive things. Things that will make for the good of man. Things that will make for the good of the kingdom. If we can be angry in, in the United States about abortion. And then we pray to God and, and not go, going out to kill the doctors. But you pray because that will not be righteous anger. But you pray to God, change the laws, do something God. And then you make your voice known. You come out and you make, you know, do your pro protest without violence and trying to make a statement standing for what you believe that's a right kind of anger but then there is another kind of anger that is destructive and the one that this anger destroys is nobody else but you he hinder everything in your life he'll block out your finances he'll destroy your life eventually so jesus picked that thing first get rid of anger in your life let all bitterness and anger and wrath and evil speaking, he will. He said, let those things be out of your life because you are now a saint. Saints don't get angry just like that. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be something constructive that you want God to do in your anger. You just can't retain anger in your heart. Now, you can be angry even if you're angry for a right cause you have the right to be angry if you maintain that and you allow that to stay in your heart and rest in your bosom before long that will turn into resentment for the one that is bringing you the reason to be angry you become resentful and once you get there you've taken offense <laughs> jesus said Offense will always come. It's how you deal with it that matters. Once you have taken offense, you get into bitterness. You will be bitter. Your life will be bitter. You have to get rid of that. So, because of all that Jesus has said, we go to the next thing that he addressed. He said, seek reconciliation. Those are not his words. But seek reconciliation with a passion. Seek to reconcile. Sometimes it's very difficult to reconcile with people because they still have and maintain what is going on. But in your heart, in your heart, between you and your God, you can look at the person and know there is nothing anymore. I've let, and and that, that can be real inside of you. You can hear the person's name and it's still not a pain. But if, you, if it hurts to hear the person's name, if it hurts to even talk about them, if it hurts if somebody says something good about them, you got a problem. You have a problem. And this is the way Jesus puts it. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar. And go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. So here, the, the emphasis here is how you give. When you give to God, you are going to get something. If something is coming your way, you're not throwing something away. If you really understand giving to the Lord, you are really giving something for your own good. 
So when you bring it to God, God sees it. This guy is looking for a lot of blessings from me, and I'm going to pour my blessings upon this man's life. But when there is bitterness, there is anger and resentment and heal will in your heart, as you're doing that, you're just throwing your money away. You're not giving it to God. The preacher will take it and use it, but God is not in it. The preacher will enjoy it in the church well, but God is not in it. You're not going to get anything out of it because there is anger, there is bitterness, there is ill will in your heart, suspicion and all of that. It's all in there. And so God knows what's going on in your heart. Really, we look at the outward, but God knows your heart. That's why you shouldn't worry about people. You know what's happening in your heart. Deal with what's happening in your heart. Forget about people. Deal with what's going on in your heart. Make sure in your heart, before you and your God, you've made it right. And then you'll have your way with God. But if you refuse and you decide you're going to put that thing inside of you and stay with it because you believe you have a right to, guess what? You have planted your life on the sand. And the wind will surely come. Trouble, it comes to every one of us. The floods will come. And it's always against your life. And if you haven't made your life right in this respect, where you have made the decision, I will follow the, the sayings of Jesus, guess what? When the wind comes and the flood comes and the rain comes, you're going down. That's what Jesus is saying. You were not planted on the rock. So that's the important thing. Now, in the church, when it comes to offense... I think there is, is, is usually not much of an offense between one person and another person. The real problem in the church is taking offense that doesn't belong to us. Offense that is not yours. That's destroyed a lot of Christians. They get angry. They won't go to church anymore. They're bickering and all of that behind and talking and talking and talking. They're so bitter. And nobody, the person they are bitter against, is not, he didn't offend them. Hello? What's happening is, believers take sides quickly. When people are offended, they want to share something with somebody, and what they are trying to do most of the time is not for you to come and reconcile the situation. You have to be wise. What they are trying to do is get you to decide so you feel as bitter as they are concerning the situation. That doesn't even concern you. And most Christians buy into it. And then their lives begin to go down and they don't even know why. Let me read this scripture to you. Hebrews 12 verse 14 and 15. It says, pursue peace with all people. How many people? All. All people. And holiness. Why would God say for us to do this? Why? The reason is you already have the ability to. God will not ask you to do something that you cannot do. When you receive Christ, all of those abilities are there in you. And if you want to live out your life for Christ, then pursue peace with all people. That includes your wife. That includes your husband. That includes your, your employer. Everyone. All People, pursue it. Run after it. Try to have peace. Sometimes it's not possible. But in your heart, you have peace towards all of them. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yes. You have an amen to that. Because it's very important for your life. 
Because if you don't have it in your life, you are going down. If Jesus' words are the words of God and they're true, if you retain those things, they'll go down. You're going down. He says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. You see, you are already holy because the Holy One lives inside of you. You can't be holy on your own. You pursue holiness because the Holy One is inside of you. If you read in the Old Testament, when God comes into a house, guess what the house is called? He's called a holy house. If Moses went, Moses went to the mountain where there was, a, you know, the burning bush, and God told him, you are standing on holy ground. Why? Because God was right there. Anywhere God is, is holy. The temple, anything he touches is holy. The, the utensils they use in the temple, guess what God says? They are holy. They are anointing oil. Everything is holy. Where God lives inside of you as a Christian, guess what? You are holy. I know you, we don't feel holy. But when God says something is holy, who are you to say is not? So, but you pursue and work out that holiness that God has already placed in you. Respect what God has made you. Amen. He made you holy. Follow through with it. Pursue holiness with everything that you. He says, without which no one will see the Lord. It's not like you are not going to go to heaven, but while you are on earth, God won't reveal himself to you. He knows not to trust you. You won't see him. No one can see him. I pray you see him when you get there. But right here, you got to take care of this thing. So he reveals himself to you. That's the thing I said. It's not all the devils and the Satan and all of I'm not afraid of all of those things. No demon can. That's not what I'm afraid of in life. What I'm afraid of is my relationship with him. Amen. Because if you don't have this in your life, then it's not going to be, he's not going to be there in your life. Now look at what it says. It says, you can't see the Lord looking carefully. How? Carefully, not carelessly, carefully. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. That means you can fall short of God's grace. When you fall short of God's grace, guess what? You don't want to go to church anymore. You are offended. <laughs> Look carefully lest you fall short of the grace of God. That means it's, po- it's possible for a human person to actually fall from the grace of God. Because you are not looking carefully to be at peace with all men. You're falling short of the grace. You get things in your heart. And I mean, we know things. I mean, when we say, well, well I forgive. We don't forget. But when it's still hurting inside or there's still feelings inside, you're just wasting your time. God knows not to deal with you. Uh, you're defiled. That's what it says. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up from among you cause trouble, if you read in traditional King James, and by this many become defiled. That's what's happening in the church. He's not, this person offended me, my, bro, my husband did something wrong. They can go and ask for forgiveness, but usually the husband calls his friend and he tells his friend what's happened. My wife is doing this, my, my wife is this. And before you think through what he's saying, you think, boy, that woman is a wicked woman. 
And you're asking questions. How can you live with her? Ooh. And so you see her in church on Sunday. And she puts her hand up to, raise, to praise the Lord. And you, who's supposed, you're supposed to be worshiping the Lord. But now you have placed yourself in the place of a judge. And you look at her and say, look at her blazing her hand. Hypocrite. It, she treats her husband like mad at home. Look, look at her, look at her. And she says, who rubber by And I say, well, well, lady, just shut your mouth. <laughs> but you haven't been in their home. You understand? You don't know what's going on. You haven't listened to her story. Many times you cancel, and the guy tells you his own part of the story, and you are indignant. How dare? How dare he? And then you go listen to the other person's story, and then you are confused. Because she's right, and he's right. And you don't know where the truth lies anymore. But most people, they only hear from one part, and they make up their mind, and they're very angry. And the problem with it is this. I thank God somebody taught me this thing years ago. So I don't get into any people, people's business. I don't want to retain your bitterness and be defiled. I can hear it and listen to you, but I'm not going to be defiled. I won't make any decision till I talk to the other person to find out what's really going on here. And most times you find out <laughs> the husband started it, you know, being real nasty. And then she wasn't right because she reacted and cussed him out. So who is right? Both of them are wrong. So when you listen to the husband's part of how bad she, she cursed, cursed him out, you said, man, what a wicked woman. But you didn't know what he did. He's not going to tell you that. Most times they don't. They won't tell you their own part. So that's what's happening to the body of Christ. People are constantly being offended. And, 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 and the pastor, pastors, you know, <laughs> I, I found something in scripture, you know. It finally got to me, I got to understand, you know, I used to wonder before now, when Paul writes to, to uh, the church in Ephesus, he'll say, peace unto you, grace unto you, and peace from God our Father. And then he writes to the Galatian church, Ephesian church, Galatian church, peace, where grace and peace be unto you. But whenever he's writing to a pastor, guess what he writes? He says, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. <laughs> yeah. I saw that he's writing to Timothy. Every time he writes to Timothy, grace, mercy and titus grace mercy but when he writes to philemon he doesn't philemon is not a preacher okay so you got we have you got a lot to deal with and you got to move on very quickly amen you don't want to retain somebody else's bitterness don't get defiled immediately what somebody person taught me then is when they're trying you know, to get you in that point to, to understand, you find a way to get both, both ends of it and they make a decision. Because once the person repents, he goes back to his wife and reconcile. okay? Now they're happy and doing real well at home, but you're still mad, okay? They're free, but you're still mad. And so you see them in, you see her in church, raising her, he said, she started a game, but she's forgiven now. 
and he has his hands around her, and you say, boy, that's a good guy. I won't have my hand over that kind of a woman. You see, that's what we're doing to ourselves. We're killing ourselves. So we, need, we really need to learn not to take people's offense. You can get the fact, but don't get offended. And don't just, just make it a big deal because they won't come back to ask for forgiveness. And so you're stuck. And God will know what's happening in your heart and you keep going down. That's, that's troubled us a lot. The third thing that Jesus said to us, what he called his saying, is what I put it this way, maintain sexual purity. Maintain as you walk doing the same. If you want to be planted on the rock, Jesus Christ, and allow the rain, if rain comes into every life, let it come, let the wind blow. We sang that this morning, right? Let the wind blow, let the floods come. But when you are planted on the rock, you will stand when it's all over. You're standing. And one way to make sure you are standing is to maintain sexual purity. Jesus said this. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? But then he says, But I say unto you, This is going to be bigger. That whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if you don't maintain that, you are planting your life on the sand. Whoever looks at a woman to lust after her, to lust after her is to desire her in that sexual way. You want her, and the only thing that is stopping you is because you don't have the opportunity to do it. It's not possible. If it were possible, you would have done it. God said you've already done that. If you carry that kind of a heart in you, guess what? You are planting your life on the sand. And one day, you're going to come down. You're going down. You're going down. And it's amazing. When Jesus talked about anger, he, he, he never talked about cutting, out, cutting off your body parts. Okay? This is serious business. This thing about adultery, sexual immorality is serious business. And Jesus, after saying that, when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That's how serious this sexual immorality problem is. This thing will kill you. It will destroy you. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable, he says, for you that one of your members, that your eyes uh, perish. Let that thing die. Sexual immorality is not good for you. Let that thing, whatever it is, let it die. That is good for you that your whole body be not cast into hell. This thing can throw you into where you don't want to go. That's what he's saying. Throw away the computer. That's your eye. Throw it away. It's going to destroy you. Cut it off. The time you're spending there, you can spend some time reading some scriptures. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That will really edify you. After you come out, you feel dirty. That's not where you're supposed to be. 
You are fellowshipping with demons. All of those things are demonic. And guess who is behind all of them? The devil. It's just to lure you away from, from faith and plant you on the sand so he can really take you whenever he wants. Pornography. We got to put those things out. You know, that's fellowship there. There's real fellowship going on there. And sometimes the fellowship is so sweet for you, you're spending a few hours there. Pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, he said, cut it off. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you. Look, it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If it's a friend that is caused, cut that friend off. You don't need that kind of a friend. If they're asking you to go where you shouldn't, cut, cut that fellow off. Even if he's the one paying everything for you, taking care of you, you don't need him. The Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. Today we, have, we are in funny times where Christians, born again Christians, they're married and, and they're still thinking of going to have an affair with somebody and, and, and they nurse that thing in their heart for a long time. And some even carry part of it out. He says, well, all I did was, all I did was kiss her. Well, you're married, for goodness sake. You can't just kiss her. You've gone all the way, the way Jesus sees it. You finished the job. You have no business kissing another woman. You have no business kissing another man. You're married. You have a covenant here. What will move you to do that? That's evil. She doesn't know you're doing that. And that's wrong. When you do that, God sees it. And what you're really doing is taking fire to yourself. You're going to burn, believe me. You'll kill yourself. That thing will eventually kill you. Anger will eventually kill you. God won't Cain, you know. He won't Cain. Anger, you, you get rid of that thing. Before you get there, he says he's going to kill you. And he destroyed his life. Totally. The next thing is sexual immorality. He'll destroy you. He'll destroy not you, just your life. You had a family going. Everybody was happy. Now you got your eyes on somebody else that's not your mate. And now all of a sudden your, your attitudes have changed. You're not home early because you're looking and making calculations on how to get to this person that's not your mate. You're crazy. You're going to destroy yourself. Why should you plan so much to destroy your life? That's stupid. Jesus said, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. You really don't want to do this. The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You are sinning not only against God, but against your own body. Young people, some of you, you're, you're old enough, your parents trust you enough to allow you to date. You need to set boundaries. You don't want to go that this thing will suck you in. You never get enough. You never get enough. He starts little and before long you are in sin. Totally. 
You know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? We're supposed to resist the devil. If you're going to resist somebody, you are in their face, right? You're resisting somebody in their face, right? But when it comes to sexual immorality, the Bible says, run, run, people, run for your life. Run. Don't try to tough it out. You're going down, if you think of it. You're going down. This is the time to run. Run. Leave your jacket with the woman and run. (laughs) Amen. Joseph did that and got promoted for it. Amen. He got promoted for it. It's a little tough, but God promoted him for it. Amen. Run. Run. He says every other sin is without the body. Every other sin that you deal with, this is a different kind of sin. He'll destroy you. He'll destroy you. There's no need, you know, in the church. It's, it's, it's terrible to hear a married man have a girlfriend. You're nuts. You're crazy. Why should you have a girlfriend? You're married. You have a wife. God gave you the privilege to choose. You made your choice. That's your woman. Nobody else's woman is your woman. You can't can't be doing that. You're insane. That's what it is. And you're going to suffer for it. You're stupid, dumb, excuse me, language. And I'm not calling your name, so don't get mad. Young people is a great thing. I thank God for Pastor West. You know, teaching our young people that we need to stay this way. Oh, the blessings that come when we obey God. It may not feel like you are doing anything. It may feel like you are losing out of the fun that they are having. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. All, All these things they are searching for, I will give them to you. I mean, you will really enjoy it. It'll be fun for you when you do it the right way. They sneaking around and, you know, trying to hide. Well, why are you sneaking around if you're doing something right? Come into the light. And let people praise God for what you're doing. That thing will kill you. There are demonic forces involved in this thing. There are demonic forces. That's a, a very easy way for you to allow demon into your life men and women we don't think if a man knows that you are married and is still willing to 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 go to do something with you knowing fully well that you're married what makes you think if he leaves if you leave your husband you're married to him he's going to stop doing that you you're nuts you're crazy he's not going to stop because you came he's going to continue and you can trust him because he did that while you were while you were married so it keeps going on and you can't really have a relationship that is solid without trust and you can't trust because look what happened this thing is not good at all and if there are demonic forces involved in this once you start young people once you start it's so hard very difficult in 1988 I went to a church to minister. It was a Baptist church. And, you know, I still had my head down, you know. I was young. But, but, hey, come on, Reggie, I'm not asking you to laugh that hard. (laughs) 
and um, and the young people, you know, this young man from America, you know, he, he he's he's still in the Lord. And I, I, my ministry was to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I felt like while I was praying this morning, if you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to come down here after service and receive the gift. There's, it's priceless, believe me. You need to receive the Holy Spirit and, and pray in tongues. But I spoke to the people, young people, and invited them to come receive the Holy Ghost. And boy, these Baptist kids, they wanted the Holy Ghost. Amen. They wanted, they wanted to become Bapticostals, you know. So they all came out. <laughs> and, and they received the Holy Spirit, about 19 of them received the Holy Spirit, and boy, some of them were really excited. They were praying in tongues. Hoorah, ba, 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 shout. I mean, it was great. But there was a young man in there. He didn't move. He wouldn't come up to receive the gift. And to me, you know, it's whoever wills, you know. But few weeks later, all of a sudden, this fellow showed up in my home. And uh, I, I didn't know them. I didn't, didn't know them very well. And I didn't know he was one of them. But he said, uh, sir, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. I said, yeah, great. Come on. Come into my room. We'll, we'll receive right now. And then when we got into the room, he said, there, sir, but I need to confess something first. I said, uh-oh. Here we go again. <laughs> so he confessed. He said, you know, I was one of those kids you spoke to in that Baptist church. And you could see, you could feel the sadness in his life. I knew. Because I knew what he was going through. Because that morning, usually I wake up and I'll spend about an hour praying in tongues for the most part. And that morning, I got up from bed feeling so estranged from God. I confessed every sin that I thought maybe I had done. It didn't go. I confessed more sins. Maybe it's because I, maybe I did something uh, uh, and I wasn't aware of it. I, I was digging for something just to get, get from under this, underneath this, that weight I was feeling. And I prayed in tongues. I prayed. I yelled. Nothing. This thing wouldn't go. And I had to do some business. So I left home. And, uh, you know, we walked back there. And I was walking to somebody's home. And I was praying in tongues silently with my hand over my mouth. So they wouldn't say, it's a crazy man. He's talking to himself. And so I did that, trying to get rid of what was happening to me. Then later, I realized about 12 o'clock, I was praying for somebody. Something is absolutely wrong. And when that man said, I have confession to make, instantly, you were the one I was praying for. And you could see the sadness, and I felt the weight he had been. He said, I was in church, and I was doing so well, like these other kids. I was just living out my life for God, really excited. And then a bad friend advised me uh, to go have some uh, relation with uh, a prostitute. And he listened. He said, sir, from that day, my life is changed. I don't feel God anymore. I go to church and they are excited. I feel nothing. My life is damaged. I said, that's the reason why I didn't come out to receive the Holy Ghost. This thing has destroyed me. I can't stop myself. I just keep doing this thing. He was clever enough not to approach the girls in the church. But he still, he wanted God. He was still coming to church. But outside he was, and he knew he was wrong and was looking for help. 
So I started praying for him. I was, at this time, I was really angry at the devil. And you should have been in that room. That's why this thing is of the devil. As the demon was leaving him, his body motion was as if he was with a woman. That's the truth. And that got me even angrier. And I told the devil, you're leaving him today. This is your last day. He doesn't want you. you get, you're getting out of him. And guess what? He was free. I saw him years later in church worshiping the Lord. He was free. Point is, you don't want to go there. If a man is, or a woman is willing to do that, you don't know where they've been. You don't know how many uh, women they've been and how crazy those women were that he was with. You don't know how many demons they had. This is an intimate act between a man and a woman. And demons will transfer. They become one, you know. The Bible says they become one. And now this man is, was one with a harlot, a whore who is going around. And now you're part with this person. Your life is destroyed. And you can't fight the demon. You allow them in. Can I hear it, amen? It's really quiet in here. But this thing is real. You don't want to go there. Once you get married, settle it in your heart. I am not going to be without what God has clothed me with, with another person. Never. Amen. Never. I don't even want my wife to be worried about that. Amen. You don't want your husband to be worried about that. They should be at peace and have that trust for you. You breach that contract, it's hard to repair. You don't want to go there. And if you've gone there, you need to truly repent from your heart. And if you're thinking about it and meditating, you're really dumb. You need to be wise today. Come out of it. Come out of it. Proverbs chapter 6, and I'm going to close with this. It says, For by means of a whorish woman or a harlot, a whorish woman... A man is reduced to a crust of bread. You can build your life and you can build your family and do a wonderful job. And you allow this woman come in and your house is going down. Your children, everything is changed from that one. That's not right. You're going to cause your children to have troubles in life because of your selfishness. Because of that one short moment of pleasure. And that's, you are reduced to a piece of bread. You remember Samson? A great man of God. Can destroy a, a, a whole army. And yet a woman brought him down. And she patted his hair. Oh your hair is so long. Oh you're so cute. And all of that stuff. And whipped him real good. Before you knew, he had lost his eyes. This is where this will come. Sexual immorality can lead you there. God gave us an example with Samson. You don't want to go there. He lost his eyes. He was reduced. He was even further down than, than a crust of bread. And he regretted everything God gave him. All the anointing. He gave everything to a woman. Ugh. Settle it in your heart. Your life is going to be destroyed. He says, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. 
Your life, everything is going down. Your kids, everything, everything. Your finances will go down too. Because if you're married, you're going to be finding some ways to please this mistress of yours. And many times they are wanting things that you can't afford, but you're going to pretend like you want them. You, you can afford them. Whereas your children can't eat well at home. That's why God doesn't want this kind of thing. Stay faithful to your wife. Stay faithful to your husband. Let it never be a question. The key thing is to prepare your heart before, beforehand. Make up your mind, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, hearing my voice today. There are principles you can draw from the Word of God. Make up your mind beforehand that this is not going to be part of my life. I know you don't have the ability on your own. You don't know the future, right? But you are hooked with somebody who knows the future. And so you can commit to him. You can tell him, Jesus has already told us, without me, you can do nothing. But you know him. And the word of God says, whatever you commit to him, he is able to keep against that day. So I can commit to him and have confidence. God, this thing, I don't want it in my life. I'm going to go with your saying. I want to be planted on the rock. I'm going to be planted on the rock. So I don't want my wife worrying about that. I'm going to be planted. Amen. And let it be so. The Bible says that Rehoboam did what was evil in the sight of God. Second Chronicles 12 verse 14. Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The reason why he did well, he left everything to chance. You don't want to leave this kind of thing to chance. Make up your mind today, I'm going to follow through with the sayings of Jesus. He's saying in this matter. How many of you want to do that? In all that we've discussed today, you want to do that. Stand up with me this morning.